Welcome to Sunday Morning at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you joined us. And let me ask you a question. Have you ever struggled with doubt? Anybody? Let's be honest, right? Maybe there's some doubt with personal relationships, okay? Like, do they like me? Do they not? If you're a millennial, younger person, Instagram, right? Have they followed me back yet? right? We have some serious questions. Or maybe there's some doubt when it comes to an investment opportunity that you've made or a decision that you've made. Did I make the right decision? Did I I put down the right amount of money in this opportunity? Or let's even talk about something, uh, maybe why we're gathered here today a little bit, is our doubt in God. Maybe our relationship with God. God, where are you at? God, what's going on? Maybe you've been a seasoned saint for a while and you feel like you've wrestled this issue down pretty good, or maybe this is your first time here or joining us online. I, I think it's uh, very vital that we understand that we've all at some point wrestled with this idea of doubt, right? Uh, we're going to look at a story here found in John chapter 20. It's in the middle of the resurrection of Jesus coming back. Now, this is fundamental to our truth. The author John writes almost half or a little bit more than half of his book, okay, half of his book on the final weeks of Jesus's death and resurrection, the final weeks of Jesus's life. So here we go, John chapter 20. This is this man by the name of Thomas that we'll be looking at. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed a twin, we're not really sure who his other twin was, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord, but he replied, okay, this is a man who spent three years with Jesus. He goes, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands Put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wounds in his side. In other words, to make sure that Jesus was dead, the Roman soldier stabbed Jesus in his side. And that's what Thomas is referring to right here. Eight days later, so Thomas went on with this hard line doubt for almost a week, a little longer. And it says, eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord, my God. That's what Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing. Today I want to talk to you about this big idea. An unfaltering conviction in Jesus brings a satisfied faith. It's getting to this point where we realize that when we believe in Jesus, we can then live and be rest assured that we have a faith that is real, that's vibrant, that we can latch on to. See, we also believe this. We're in this series called Righteous Character. Character is this, attributes that determine a person's moral or ethical actions and reactions. So we come here to Philippians Chapter 1, verse 11, the Apostle Paul says this, May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life 
by Jesus Christ. So in other words, you have to have this faith and belief in Jesus to have and develop attributes, character that God finds pleasing. So this is fundamental to our faith. This is what we believe, and we believe ultimately in everything. Faith is where it starts. For this will bring good and much glory and praise to God. So today, we want to ask ourselves this question. How do we develop an unfaltering conviction that brings a satisfied faith? Before we go any further, let's go ahead and pray over this morning's reading of God's Word. If you'll bow your heads with me, if you're online or here in the house, Lord, we give you this time. We pray that you continue to work in our lives, move in our lives. May you reveal something through your Word in our lives so we leave here better than the way we came in. In your great and holy name, we all say, Amen. Amen. Well, hey, this is my beautiful wife. Woo, this is a model picture for us right here. Wedding day about uh, seven years ago. I'm going to invite her out. I, I told her this morning, I'm, I need you to come up on stage with me. She was a little hesitant. Seven best years of her life, seven most educated years of my life, okay? So we're getting married. We put our hands here. We're in our ceremony, right? We're looking at each other. We, we got married in Las Vegas. It's pretty cool. Like, at a, we're, working at, we're working at a church in Vegas, okay? So, like, y'all, like, you eloped through the motorcycle drive through No, we didn't. So, here we go. We're, we're looking at each other. We're in a church. We're getting married, and, like, she's looking in my eyes. I'm looking into her eyes like, oh, yeah, what's up, girl? You know, like, we're excited right now. Minister's right here. He's talking, doing his spiel. I'm like, bro, come on, wrap it up like everybody, right? You know, like, come on, we want to get married. So this is what happens. In the middle of this beautiful ceremony, two, three hundred people are gathered, and we're at this moment, an awesome moment, a great day, your favorite day ever. Yes. Keep it coming. Like, let's go. This is what she does. Do what you do. Drop your hands. And she walks away. Now stop right there for me. She, I have no idea what's going on. Keep in mind, we had a rehearsal dinner the night before. This was not part of the rehearsal. She walks away. Now, this is the thing. There's an exit door right there in this church we were in. A lot of doubt came rushing into my mind. I said, she's in heels, she's in a dress. I can get to that door before she can. I said, uh-uh, there's no way she's going to be leaving me up here at the altar. You think you could have made that decision like a day ago, you know? Like all these things, and I started to get pretty frustrated, like what is going on? The heart goes over 200 beats per second, and I am like, or a minute, oh, that's real fast, and I am going, what is happening, Lord? I have no idea what's going on. I'm startled. That doubt crept in. That character, when I was squeezed, it did something to me that I never even imagined. It, it, it rocked my mind, my soul, my heart. And so when I'm thinking my, my beautiful bride-to-be is leaving, like honestly, that's what I thought. I was like, I got to a kind of hard heart in a matter of 30 seconds of, all right, well, God's got something better for me. <laughs> like, I, like, that's where I was at. I was like, okay, so this is what she thinks. I'm thinking you should go to the exit door, go and do what you do. Literally, we have a grand piano there. All right. You're, you're supposed to sing Baby I Love You right there. Yeah, there you go. And she goes and she blesses me with a song. 
and she sings something, gives me a surprise in our wedding ceremony. See what happens in that. Thank you. Thanks, babe. What happens in moments of doubt, some things come to the surface that you're not too happy about, that you don't anticipate to react that way, that, you know what, God is intending to be a blessing in your life, to build your relationship, to highlight a moment in your life. You just have to wait when you don't know what's going on. I had a blessing that came my way, but really what was happening is that doubt was controlling me. So today I want to talk to you when it comes to an unfaltering conviction in Jesus. When we develop an unfaltering conviction in Jesus, it encourages us to stay connected to others in moments of pain. No matter where you're at, when you are down and out, when you have doubt, you need to stay connected. We see this. This is what happens. John 20, 24, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. Now get it, he did life with these other men, with these disciples, and he is the one that's recorded of not being there. Now many scholars, theologians, guys who are a lot smarter than me, believe the reason Thomas wasn't with the group at this point, wasn't connected, is because he was handling the emotion of the death of Jesus. Now, he, he, it took a toll on his heart, in his mind, in his life, that caused him to disconnect from people. So he missed what Jesus had intended to reveal himself in a unique way. Now, it's, it's easy being an armchair quarterback some years later, 2,000-some years later, and looking back and saying, hey, you know, it, Thomas, why don't you hang out with the group? Well, Thomas is hurt. He's in pain. Keep in mind, in John chapter 11, this is the same guy who, when Jesus goes, I need to go back to uh, Judea to see this man by the name of Lazarus. All the disciples warn Jesus and say, don't go back there. You're going to get stoned. They want to kill you. The authorities, the, the Jewish people want to kill you, Jesus. All the disciples tell him not to, except a guy. His name's Thomas. He goes, let's go with you, Jesus, that we may die with you. See, Thomas could have been recorded as this man by the name of Thomas the Brave, but instead he gets to be known as Thomas the Doubter. He withdrew emotionally, caused him to disconnect. He continues in verse 25, they told him, keep in mind, guys he did life with for three years, close confidence, confidants in his life who gave him the confidence who, who were with them when Jesus fed 5,000-some people. We have seen the Lord, they tell them. They're excited. They're saying, Thomas, we did it. We've seen Jesus. Everything he said is true. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. See, Thomas teaches us this. When we stay connected, we're balanced emotionally. When we're staying connected in our church community, we're balanced emotionally. I mean, when we're down and out, church people can lift us up. Our friends, our community lifts us up. When we're up on the high mountaintop like, yeah, I just did all of this, some people will bring us down a little bit, humble us out a little bit. Uh, Dr. Henry Cohen from Duke University did this extensive research throughout the COVID pandemic, and he talks about individuals and people who uh, 
were connected and did religious practices, and in other words, stay uh, within a church community context, he said throughout this past year and plus that they've had less depression, quicker to get out of depression, they uh, haven't had so many substance abuse issues, they've been able to battle certain things a lot easier as far as disorders mentally and physically because they stay connected with the church community. So I believe this, what's happening in society and culture is we've been accelerated to go into a time and a spot that it's post-Christian. They're saying that America is one-third of people stopped attending church with the pandemic, okay? 50% of millennials who are supposed to be watching online, churches devoted content saturation onto online website presence, 50% of millennials have tuned out. So all these things are happening in America, and the main reason is because emotionally we get driven, and then we get disconnected. We pull back when really we should be pulling in. See, Jesus was counterculture. He says, stay connected. Now we're in a society and a culture that's like, what do we do? And that's why as a church leader, it's hard to balance what is best. But I do know one thing. One way or another, we need to stay connected. It balances us emotionally, brings us to reality, gives us encouragement. And number two, when we stay connected, we are part of the first experience. Now, this is a reference to if Thomas would have stayed with the disciples first time, if he would have stayed connected throughout his doubts, throughout his struggles, he would have saw Jesus the first time. And if you look back, I believe uh, John 20, verse 18, Jesus appears to the disciples the first time through locked doors. Basically, the same sequence of what happened. Thomas missed out on the first experience. If you stay connected, you don't miss out. It's simple as that. If you stay connected, if you say, hey, what's going on in my church? You don't miss out. Thomas missed out. Sometimes we question ourselves. We're like, hey, I don't really feel like getting connected. I'm tired. I'm this. I heard it best put this way when I was at a funeral. Pastor gets up there and he goes, you never underestimate the power of presence. Being there makes a difference. Never underestimate the power of presence. Number two, when it comes to developing an unfaltering conviction in Jesus, it too allows us to draw close to him despite our doubts. Now let's look at verse 25 again. It says this, They told him, We have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. Now, this is a church that we want to open our doors and say, you know what, if you have doubts, come and explore them. If you have questions, come and explore them. We look in the Psalms, Psalms 88. This is known as the saddest psalm. It's written, I love the message translation because it's written with this uh, modern-day English. It says this, God, you're my last chance of the day. I spend the night on my knees before you. Put me on your salvation agenda. Take notes on the trouble I'm in. I've had my fill of trouble. I'm, I'm camped on the edge of hell. Like, this is some pretty extensive language that this psalmist is writing and directing towards God. I'm written off as a lost cause. One more statistic, a hopeless case. Abandoned as already dead. One more body and a stack of corpses. And not so much as a gravestone in a black hole in oblivion. You've dropped me into a bottomless pit, sunk me in a pitch black abyss. 
I'm battered, senseless by your rage. You're relentlessly pounded by your waves of angers. You turned my favorite friends against me and made me horrible to them. I'm caught in a maze and I can't find my way out, blinded by tears of pain in frustration. Throughout the book of Psalms, God's word, you see time and time again a man by the name of the greatest King David. He questions God. Psalms 13, my God, my God, why are you forsaking me? But no matter what, I'm going to continue to love you. The saddest psalm is saying, God, where are you at? I feel like I'm on the edge of hell. Sometimes I think as a church, we need to, as a church as a whole and the nation, is we need to have these open arms to say, come and express your questions, your doubts. It's okay. See, Thomas, he has these doubts. Jesus doesn't rebuke him for the doubts. He corrects him for the doubt, but he does it in such a veil of love, Thomas doesn't even know what's really happening. I love what Charles Spurgeon, the great theologian and pastor, says this, I do not believe there ever existed a Christian yet who did not now and then doubt his interest in Jesus. I think when a man says, I never doubt, it is quite time for us to doubt him. Like, like, that's some real talk right there. That's some honest truth. In John 14, 5, put it this way, it says this, this is the Thomas asking again a question. Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus says this, one of his most prolific statements, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him, making a reference to if you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. So many times we have this stigma that's I can't ask questions, I can't explore doubt. And right here at Faith Assembly, we are a church. You can explore those questions, explore those doubts. We want to help you if you've been in church for years or this is your first day. No matter where you're at, bring your doubts, bring your questions. Let's talk. That's what church should be about. Let's talk about what concerns you, and we'll give you a biblical evidence and proof of why we believe what we believe and why we believe a Savior can come into our life and do things we can't even imagine. But it starts with belief. Number three, when it comes to developing an unfaltering conviction in Jesus, it compels us to act with grace. Now, keep in mind, eight days have gone on. The disciples come and they say, Thomas, man, we've seen Jesus. We, we've seen him. Thomas like, I don't believe you. A whole week's gone on. That's a long week. Anybody's had a long week before? Maybe this week's been a long week for you, right? Like, we can have long weeks. Just ask being a Cincinnati Bengals fan. John 20, 26 through 28. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with him. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them, again saying, peace be with you, he said. So this again is Jesus doing what he just did. If you read the text prior to this, Jesus is doing virtually the same thing. Then he said to Thomas, and this is vital, this is key, Thomas doesn't know, doesn't think Jesus even heard anything, okay? But Jesus restates what Thomas says. He says, put your finger here, Thomas. Look at my hands. Put your hand in my wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Believe. See, acting with grace 
means we first need to give grace. Can you imagine being in that room the second time when all the disciples and people are, are seeing Jesus, the, they saw him the first time, and then he comes back and he reels himself the second time, and Thomas being the odd guy out, Jesus looks at him and he repeats the words that Thomas said. Almost this, this posture of Jesus, you don't know what you're, or, or almost calling him out on his belligerent and doubtful statements. I'm not going to believe in Jesus. The disciples are probably sitting like, man, you're about to get in trouble. Can you think how foolish Thomas felt saying those things? Like really, when, you, when we paint that picture, can you, can you imagine how down and out ashamed he would feel during that moment? Meaning that he, he lived with Jesus for three years. He saw miracles, 5,000 people fed, Jesus walking on water, winds and the waves being calmed, people being healed. Think how foolish he, would have, he, he had to swallow his words back. Challenging. Probably a lot of shame there. You know, Jesus never says, Thomas, you're wrong. Thomas, I rebuke you. He corrects somebody. does it with such a... a, a a posture of love and, and grace. He gives Thomas grace. He says, don't, don't, don't doubt, believe. You know, believe. And then number two, when it comes with acting with grace, we need also receive grace. This is huge. This is vital. Some of us are in here. And if there's one thing I want you to take away is this. Grace is, a, is able and there for you through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've gone through. Grace is available. You can't make too many, you can't make enough mistakes where Jesus wants to turn his back on it. Jesus is for you. See, acting with grace means we receive grace. Thomas goes, my Lord, my God, Thomas exclaimed. He recognized Jesus as a deity. He recognized Jesus as God. He's saying, I have made a mistake. Theos, Kiros, I am sorry. He's saying, I am looking at you, Jesus. I, I went from unbelief and I went from doubt to now saying, I believe. My Lord, my God. Scripture notes, you know, it, Thomas doesn't go and feel. Thomas doesn't even probably see. He's just kind of there and, and, and realizing what just has transpired. An unfaltering conviction for us in Jesus leads to a great blessing. Now, when we talk about blessings, we look at it this way. Jesus says, then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. And in other words, I can imagine Jesus calling Thomas over, patting him on the back and like saying, hey man, you had it easy, right? Like you've seen me. Like you've walked, you've done life with me, we've experienced. But when you look at the Greek word of blessing, I can't even try to say it because I don't know Greek very well. But when I was studying this week and you look at it, it means to put in a posture of grace. It means an extension of grace. It means putting, your play, putting yourself in a position where Jesus is saying, looking down on your life, God is looking and saying, you know what? 
like you have a lot of questions going on, but you've always lived, you've always walked, and you've always just led by faith and belief, and therefore you're positioning yourself for a posture, a moment of grace. It's not necessarily a, monitor, a monetary blessing. It's not necessarily maybe a relationship blessing. What it is is a position of grace that you're now saying, hey, the eternal blessing is coming to my life. A relationship with Jesus is coming to my life. Hebrews 11, the author says this, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. I think so many times we try to, we, we, we diminish our blessings by doing some of these things. We want a voice. We want a vision. We want a revelation. God, I'll go there when you appear to me and tell me. When God's saying, I'll give you 10 doors, pick one and I'll be with you. When we demand for exceptions for some special circumstances, God, I need an exception here. God's saying, I didn't put you in that situation or that circumstance, but I'll be with you through this valley. Or when we demand for answers to every difficult situation. Some of the most refining moments when I look back at my life have been through difficult situations because I had no option but to trust in Jesus. I had to either you know, put the rubber to the road or, or walk away or say, hey, I'll trust you. I could have never imagined where God has brought us here to faith assembly without, <laughs> I, I couldn't imagine. Honestly, I tell people I'm from California was our last stop, but I'm originally from Missouri. Missouri, Las Vegas, California, now to Southwest Florida. Never could have imagined it. Never. But it had to come to a moment in our lives, my wife and I, where we wrestled down this, hey, we don't really know. We're not in control. I can't see it. I can't feel it. And God, you might not be close to me. You might be at the piano getting ready to sing me a blessing. But right now I'm feeling like I'm standing at the altar all by myself. For some of us in this place, it just starts with belief. When you believe, then he will reveal it. It's not a reveal it and then I will believe it. It's a, I believe in it and God, you will reveal it. An unfaltering conviction will bring a satisfied faith. So today I wanna to encourage you, we're gonna hear in just a moment, wrap up with the song, is this. Our hope for you is simple, four things. One, get connected with the church community. If it's Faith Assembly or watching online, somewhere locally where you can engage in, in presence. Maybe it's somewhere here. Maybe some of you are, are taking a, a, a back seat saying, hey, I'm not really in church right now. Wherever you're at, get connected. We would love for you to come here. Number two is this, be honest and share your doubts. If you can't be honest, you can't move forward in your relationships. Number three is show someone grace and or accept God's grace. Some of you need to know this. God cares, God loves, and God cherishes you in a relationship with you. He sent Jesus to die for us. He's revealing something amazing in our lives. And number four, if you haven't done so yet, start a relationship with Jesus. The reason we do what we do is for us to explore what it means to follow Jesus and begin a genuine relationship with God through him. See, the death and resurrection of Jesus as 
where Easter's a month away, we look at it and many people mourn the death of Jesus. But we look at it as Jesus conquered sickness, he conquered death, he conquered sin. He's now conquered unbelief and he is for us no matter what is against us. So today I'm gonna ask you if you'll stand with me if you're comfortable and able and we're gonna sing this next song. No matter what you're going through, no matter what is happening, in your life, I want to remind you, you have someone who's standing with you. No matter what fire you face, no matter what obstacles, no matter what struggles are going on, Jesus is with you. There's another in the fire. Lord, I pray right now for those who are in here are battling with this idea of disbelief. I pray that you work in their lives, guide them, lead them, move in their hearts. May they take this time of questioning and begin to believe in you. Say, God, we don't have all the answers right now. We don't tangibly see it, but we will trust you. That's our ask right now. Be in our hearts, be in our minds, be with those of us who are maybe far or exploring what it means to have a relationship with you. As we sing the song, may we honor you. In your great name we say, amen. There's a grace when the heart is under fire. Another way when the walls are closing in And when I look at the space between Where I used to be and this reckoning I know I will never be alone There was another in the fire Standing next to me There was another in the water Holding back of the sea And should I ever need reminding Of how I've been set free There is a cross that bears the burden Where another died for me There is another in the fire Between 
wears thin, I can feel the ground shake beneath us as the prison walls cave in. Nothing stands between us. Nothing stands between us. I can see the light in the darkness as the darkness bows to him. I can hear the roar in the heavens as the space between us. I can feel the ground shake beneath us as the prison walls cave in. Nothing stands between us. Nothing stands between us. There is no other name but the name that is Jesus. He who was and still is and will be through it all. So come what may the things unseen and this reckoning I know I will never be alone I know I will never be alone there'll be another in the fire standing next to me there'll be another in the waters How many? holding back the sea should I ever need joy come every battle cause I know that's where you'll be I count the joy come every battle cause I know that's where you'll be we just want to encourage you this morning no matter what you've gone through no matter what you're facing God is with you have an unfaltering conviction in Jesus and your faith will be satisfied Let's pray together if you'll bow your heads with me. God, we give you this time right now. We just say thank you for giving us a moment of reflection where we can evaluate our belief in you. I pray for those who are in this place, watching online, wherever they are at, may they just lean in. And when we lean in, may you reveal it to us, Lord. But it starts with belief. It starts with our faith in you. No matter what we've gone through, no matter what we face, we know we can always trust and depend on you. Even when we don't see you, we know we can trust you. And in your great name, we all say in this place, amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Sunday morning at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next week for Sunday Morning. Faith Assembly Sunday Morning is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.